Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Another strong jobs report. Factories humming. Meanwhile, possible rail strike averted, but still many workers upset and continue to speak out. Today on the show, we'll check in with the IBEW in Florida and the plumbers in Minnesota. Welcome to the Monday, December 5th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. We have two guests on the show today. Lanny Mathis will be joining us. He comes to us from the IBEW, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. That would be Local 1205, based in Gainesville, Florida. Lanny serves as business manager 42 years in the local, 42 years. He started as a helper on a construction site, became an apprentice, served as president for 30 years, and now business manager. He's also building trades president for the area, and he is president of the AFL-CIO Central Labor Council and on the state AFL-CIO executive board. Man's got a lot of hats, loves doing what he's doing. We'll talk about the work road. By the way, that local represents workers in the electrical industry throughout north-central Florida, west Florida, and they even go into uh, south Georgia. Last time we uh, spoke with him, there was a lot of work at the uh, Tyndall Air Force Base. We'll pick up on that. And you got to wonder what electrical workers do after a hurricane. I mean, Florida got pummeled, and you saw a lot of lines down. I know a lot of the uh, utility workers work on that, but the bottom line is no power, no fun. Come on now. So Lanny will talk about that as well, how they uh, navigated through that. This is a powerful union, by the way. The IBEW represents approximately 775,000 active members and retirees who work in a wide variety of fields. That includes utilities, construction, telecom, broadcasting, manufacturing, railroads, as well as the, uh, the government. And uh, there's going to be a change at the top of the IBEW. We talked about this last week. International President Lonnie Stevenson is retiring effective January 4th bringing an end to a nearly five-decade active career in the union. Stephanie Mullen will be joining us later in the show. She is a plumbing apprentice, and we'll talk about her journey. Plumbers Local 34, they're out of uh, Minnesota. By the way, Stephanie was nominated last month at the Tradeswoman's Conference. She got the... uh, for the Heroes Award. We'll talk about that. A little background on Stephanie. She's a third-generation trades worker. Her dad and her grandfather were uh, with the Painters and Allied Trades, and she decided to become a part of UA Plumbers Local 34, and she's in her third year and trying to learn as much as she can. She was born in St. Paul, Minnesota. Parents moved to California when she was young. She grew up there. And has since uh, moved back to Minnesota. Well, that was about 17 years ago. So uh, 
Plumbers Local 34, this uh, is a union that was established to protect the workers in the industry when workers join together. This is right from their website. We promote better wages, better benefits, and better conditions for all working people. That's what unions are all about, right? So Stephanie Mullen will be joining us later in the show. Now, a look into the world of labor brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management offering fixed income, real estate, equity investment options to clients across the nation, boydwatterson.com. Jobs report came out on Friday. U.S. employers added 233,000 jobs in November as hiring remains sturdy despite rising interest rates, despite high inflation, and talk about a recession. It seems like the labor market is just moving on and on and on and ignoring all the noise out there. The unemployment rate, 3.7%. A little breakdown here. Leisure, hospitality led the job gains. 88,000 positions. Other sector gainers included healthcare, 45,000. Government, 42,000. Social assistance saw a rise of 23,000, which the Labor Department said brings the sector back to where it was before the pandemic. Construction added 20,000 positions. Information technology up 19,000. Manufacturing at 14,000. And that has prompted a comment from Scott Paul, who heads the Alliance for American manufacturing. He said the following, while manufacturing continues to add jobs, the rate of growth has plunged. And other signals, such as the manufacturing index, already show contraction. Now, these are bad signs for a sector at the heart of our efforts to power a clean energy system and enhance the resiliency of our supply chains. Scott goes on to say, first, the Federal Reserve must reverse course and embrace more stimulative financial measures. Second, the administration should hold its line on tariffs and subsidies and withstand pressure to weaken these tools. And finally, Scott says, Congress must follow on the investments made in infrastructure, semiconductors and clean energy manufacturing with industrial policies for other key sectors and robust implementation of the laws that are already in place. So it sounds good, you know, 14,000 jobs, but it's going down. It's going down. Scott is very bright on this. He's one of our regulars on the show. In fact, we had him on uh, last week. You might want to just go to uh, awfpodcast.com. We got a lot of good information on there. In fact, we had a really good uh, segment with Fred Redman. Fred is the secretary treasurer of the AFL-CIO, and we were talking extensively about the uh, the rail situation. And the, uh, the AFL-CIO kind of got caught in a pickle here because uh, they, uh, they supported the deal that was negotiated by Marty Walsh. However, a lot of workers still didn't like it. Now, four out of the 12 unions voted it down. And the AFL-CIO released this statement over the weekend. While rail workers won significant wage increases and other important gains, it's deeply disappointing that a number of senators, 43 in all, sided with multi-billion dollar rail corporations to block desperately needed paid sick days. 
rail workers keep America's economy moving, yet rail companies treat workers as essential one minute and disposable the next. Now, in that conversation, Fred is of the opinion that when it comes to paid sick leave, it goes way beyond rail, way beyond rail. Everybody deserves paid sick leave. And there are some companies out there that do that. But there are many that do not. And one day of paid sick leave for rail workers, there's something grossly wrong with that. Well, a number of unions are are speaking out. And uh, here's a comment from the Smart Transportation or Smart TD. And SMART is an acronym for the Sheet Metal Air Rail Transportation Division. They represent about 28,000 conductors. And their statement reads as follows. It's deeply disappointing that 43 senators voted to prioritize the corporate greed of rail carriers and CEOs over the needs and quality of life improvements that our members so desperately deserve. The Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employees Division of the Teamsters, which represents 12,000 members, sharply criticized the Senate vote. Their statement reads as follows. It is shocking and appalling that any member of Congress would cast a vote against any sort of provision that raises the standard of living for hardworking Americans. In fact, such a vote is nothing less than anti-American an abdication of their oath of office, and you are deemed, in my eyes, unworthy of holding office. Now, the contract imposed by Congress includes a 24% pay raise from 2020 to 2024, bonus increases, and one additional paid day off. That's it. So they're up to two. They're up to two now. The American Association of Railroads, which is a trade group, they're hailing it. They said the, the product of these agreements is a compromise by nature, but the result is one of substantial gains for rail employees. President Biden said, look, I know this bill doesn't have paid sick leave for these rail workers, but frankly, every worker in America deserves that. And the fight is not over. I supported paid sick leave for a long time. And I'm going to continue that fight until we succeed. So we'll see what happens here. Fred Redman was of the uh, same opinion on that. Workers at Amazon's Air Hub, this is outside northern Kentucky's International Airport, are leading a unionization effort despite a very, very bitter anti-union corporate atmosphere. The uh, organizers have already filed two unfair labor practice charges against Amazon for its display of anti-union messages and other opposition. Now, the JFK-8 union remains the only Amazon union, but organizing pushes at a half dozen other locations continue despite the, uh, the relentless campaign by Amazon. The workers are pushing for higher compensation for more hazardous work, increased time off, and union representation during disciplinary actions. So that's the latest one to watch. That's a hub just outside the Northern Kentucky International Airport. Good news here from uh, Actors Equity. Actors Equity Association and the Broadway League announced last Thursday that the two sides have come to a tentative agreement for a new production contract. 
While details of the agreement have not yet been released publicly, the new three-year collective bargaining agreement is set to govern Broadway shows and sit-down productions across the country. The tentative agreement remains subject to ratification now by equity members in a vote, and that will be by electronic ballot. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with the electrical workers in Gainesville, Florida. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The the United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwad4.org. That's cwad4.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Make sure you get the word union there. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. They always connect people with employment, good employment, I might add. ULAgency.org is their website. Let's go to uh, Gainesville, Florida right now. Joining us on our live line is Lanny Mathis. Lanny is the business manager of the Electrical Workers, IBEW, Local 1205 website, IBEW1205.org. Lanny, longtime electrical worker, started 42 years ago, climbed up the ladder, busy, busy guy down there. Lanny Mathis, welcome back to America's Workforce. How are we doing today, brother? Doing awesome. How about yourself? 
Good, 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 good. Boy, I tell you, you got some uh, nasty weather down there. I, that's one thing about a lot of people go to Florida, but boy, the hurricanes. I want to talk about that, especially with the uh, workload and what that has caused. But uh, just bring me up to speed on Local 1205. How many members? I see you uh, represent, let's see, Northern Central Florida, West Florida, and South Georgia. Nice territory there. How many workers right now, Lanny? Uh, right at 550. Okay. We have okay. we we represent inside wiremen. We represent uh, utility workers, and we have some municipal workers. Gotcha. Has that been uh, pretty steady over the years in Florida? You know, it, it's been on and off. I mean, we had the same laws everybody else had during COVID, um, but we're picking back up. We're, we're we have steady employment. Uh, we everybody wants to work uh, is working. Gotcha. Okay. Why don't you uh, refresh our listeners a little bit about yourself? 42 years ago, you decided to get involved in uh, the IBEW. What made you go in that direction, Lanny? Well, when I got out of high school, I needed a job. My my, uh, my first, uh, I got a really neat story. My first job was carrying sheetrock. I, uh, I applied for a job, and uh, I was big and strong and carried a whole lot of sheetrock. And I was working with an old gentleman. And he said, son, what are you doing? He, uh, he said, get out of here and get yourself a trade. Um, thankfully enough, I probably owe my career to that old guy. He, uh, he sent me in the right direction. I wound up getting into apprenticeship school, served four-year apprenticeship school, worked as a journeyman until I took this job as a business manager. So um, electrical work and all the other trades are a good way to, to make a living for a young guy with no college education. Mm-hmm. Any reason why you ended up with the IBEW? I mean, there's a lot of trades out there. Any specific uh, reason why you went in that direction? Well, I had an uncle uh, that was a, an electrician. My grandfather, uh, my uncle and my grandfather were both in the IBEW. Uh, so that's kind of the direction I headed. Yeah. Okay. So it was a good choice, and uh, you served as president, I see, for uh, 30 years. Bus- How long as business manager now, Lenny? About five. Five years? And it's been going pretty well for you? Yeah, it's a real interesting job. It's uh, it's a job that uh, you, you never finish. Um, you, it doesn't matter you know, if you're running pipe or pulling wire. You, you get finished, and you move on to the next project. This job uh, uh, never ends. There's, there's, there's never... Uh, uh, a day that you know what's going to happen. The next phone call could be uh, a layoff. It could be a job problem, or it could be a contractor looking to hire 25 guys. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's never a dull moment, no doubt. Right, 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 right. How's the workload been down in that area? We've been pretty busy. Um, like I said, we've, inside construction, guys, we've probably got about uh, about 350 and, uh, you know, a lot of guys take vacation during this time of year. A lot of them uh, uh, are coming home from, from the north because it's starting to snow up there and it's starting to get cold. So we're, we're, we're having a little bit of job movement. And it's, you know, it's kind of tough to get hired during the holidays. But uh, anybody that wants to work is working. Yeah. I know you did some at, what is it, the Tyndall Air Force Base the last time we talked. Can you uh, bring us up to speed? What kind of work are we talking about over there? Yeah, there's a there's a, a quite a chunk of work coming out there. Uh, Tyndall was was destroyed during Hurricane Michael several years ago, and um, thankfully enough, they've decided to make it the base of the future. Um, so, 
a lot of new technologies going into it. Uh, it's slow starting. Uh, you know, it's 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 federal jobs, and there's a whole lot of a whole lot of paperwork to get everything started. And uh, we've got uh, three or four contractors out there that have a, probably a dozen guys right now. Uh, the, the major work hasn't started yet, but we're starting to do some of the gate work. Uh, you know, you have to kind of take it in order. If you don't have a gate, people can get through. They can't get into working on the other jobs. So the gate projects are started, and some of the uh, uh, the water treatment plants, those kind of stuff started. Mm-hmm. How is it working? Like in that case, you're actually working for the federal government, and uh, I'm just wondering because you do a lot in the private sector as well. Can you kind of compare the two, the differences as far as uh, how how the workers are being treated, what you have to go through to get things done? Yeah, I'll come in on both of those, kind of two different situations. So we have our same collective bargaining agreement. So our guys wouldn't go work directly for the federal government. They would still work for the same contractors that we would work for in the the private sector. Um, Our contractors would have been a job with the federal government, but we're still working under our regular collective bargaining agreement. So as far as having the working conditions, they haven't really changed any. Um, Working for the federal government is... Yeah, about the same as any of the others, with the exception is they have uh, mandatory things in, in that they have to cover by their contract, such as uh, paid sick leave and stuff like that that's not in our regular working agreement. I see. Okay. Um, what do you see for uh, work down the road here, infrastructure-wise? And and I also want to talk, you mentioned the hurricane, how it destroyed that, um, that um, Air Force base some years ago. Um, talk to me about what the future looks like, because there's a, I'm sure, I mean, Naples, I, you don't cover Naples. That's a little farther South from where you are, but Florida has been hammered here with horrible weather. You throw in the infrastructure and jobs act. I mean, you gotta be getting some of that money. Maybe some of that might go to repair. Can you speak to that part, uh, Lenny? Oh uh, yeah. Well, and, and a lot of that, that happened down South this year. Uh, missed us, you know. Thankfully enough, last several hurricanes um, have kind of skipped south of us. Uh, thankfully enough, and you know, we were able to assist our brothers and sisters down in the Naples area and South Florida area. You know, even even in that one, uh, Daytona had some problems. Orlando had quite a bit of problems, uh, which is an hour or so south of us. So luckily enough, we were actually able to help some of the guys that helped us a lot when Michael came through. Um, yeah, we are getting some of the federal uh, money in, as far as that goes. And, you know, a lot of the infrastructure stuff, like I say, mainly in our jurisdiction, it, it's been Tenth Air Force Base just because that's our our biggest federal project. The future work goes, though, some of the stuff that's really uh, helping us out a lot in our jurisdiction. We've got contractors actually trying to bid uh, hospitals and all now. We've really gotten into the hospital market, and we're doing probably uh, Hospital Corporation of America, and we've got the big university hospitals around here. We're doing about 75% of that work in the hospitals, and it's uh, kind of a new market for us because we're kind of an industrial local. We have a we had a nuclear powerhouse that was shut down, and uh, so we we, we uh, cut our teeth on industrial. So getting into the hospital commercial market uh, market's been very exciting for us. Good. Now, are we talking new construction, or are they just uh, like redoing some of the old hospitals in that area? Actually, both. Uh, we, we've got a new five-story hospital, I believe it is, being built in Ocala. We've got some remodels. On, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, University of Florida having Shands Hospital, but it's a, a huge training center. Uh, we're doing remodels constantly there. 
they're building some hospitals down south of Ocala. So it's, it's a little both. Yeah, good. How's your relationship? Uh, it sounds like you've got a pretty decent relationship with, with some of the contractors there. But, you know, I mean, Florida is a right-to-work state. You got a governor there that's that's kind of vocal. It's, it's not what you call real union friendly in in many aspects. I wonder if you could. Uh, I'm sure you've been navigating through that climate over over the years. I mean, 42 years, you've seen a lot down there. Can you can you talk about that part, Lanny? Yes, sir. I don't mind that a bit. As far as our governor goes, uh, oh my goodness gracious, where, where do you even start? Uh, our state government, the state of Florida. We have some excellent reps here. We have some excellent House members, excellent senators that really, really do try to, to at least look at our side of every story. And then we got some that uh, I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, both both statewide and uh, and even, you know, we we have uh, Rick Scott, we have uh, uh, Marco Rubio. You know, these guys obviously are, are not on our side. Cat K make. You know, when you start looking at our, our our Congress and our Senate, we get no help in Florida. Uh, Gainesville area, we've endorsed quite a few uh, candidates here, and almost every every county commissioner has been endorsed. Every city commissioner but one was endorsed by us in the last election cycle. So we, we have a good relationship locally with our politicians, which helps us with school board jobs and that kind of stuff. Um but as far as, as having any help from our our governor, we don't we don't expect a whole lot. Uh, I was hoping we could uh, would keep him out of office and and maybe maybe dampen some of his hopes for being president. But I think that's the direction he's probably going to try to hit. Oh yeah, yeah. Clearly, he seems to be going in that direction. Hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You, you have to have friends on both sides of the aisle. I mean, that's what the trades do. It's important. They want to make sure that the jobs are continually being created. And uh, and there's a lot of things that, that are on the horizon right now, especially with EV production and things of that nature. Lonnie, can you stay with us for another segment? i got a couple more questions. I want to zero in on your apprenticeship program down there. Can we do that next? Yes, sir. Good. Lonnie Mathis is his name. He comes to us from the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. That would be Local 1205. They're based in Gainesville, Florida. 42 years in 1205. Stephanie Mullen will be joining us later in the show. She comes to us from the UA Plumbers. That's a Local 34. They're out of a Minneapolis-St. Paul area. PlumbersLocal34.org is their website. Back in a few minutes, you're listening to America's Workforce. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The United Steelworkers of America represent over 70,000 workers in the state of Ohio. Steelworker members enjoy the benefits of some of the best contracts of any workers in the world. Many of your friends, neighbors, and relatives are members of one of the most effective Democratic unions in our country. 
With the pressures unorganized workers are under in today's economy, you need to join them. So call the Steelworkers Organizing Office at 216-292-5683 or toll free at 1-800-443-3752. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Buildings, bridges, skyscrapers, and more. Structures that are the face of our cities and towns were built by members of the Iron Workers Union. That's why it's important that our workforce of over 130,000 iron workers continues to be the safest and best trained in the field. With 154 training centers, we invest over $90 million annually in safety and training. We're growing the next generation of union iron workers. There are so many reasons to put your trust in our iron workers and their employers. Learn more about us at ironworkers.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so do keep them coming. Before we go back to Alani Mathis, just got to give another plug here to our friends at the Alliance for American Manufacturing. If you're looking for gifts made in the USA, do check out their Made in America Holiday Gift Guide. And they've got uh, a spotlight on more than 120 companies from all 50 states, along with the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. And they do this every year. Good stuff there. A lot of people want to buy gifts that are made in the United States, and they can't find the label, well, guess what? Just go to AmericanManufacturing.org and you get a whole rundown on uh, on gifts made in the USA. And there's a lot of union-made gifts out there, too. There's an organization called Labor 411. They're based out on the West Coast, I believe, in Los Angeles. And if you go to F- Labor 411, you can find a lot of good stuff there. Let's go back to uh, Gainesville, Florida, rejoin Lanny Mathis. Lanny's a business manager for... Local 1205, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, 42 years in the IBEW. He's been uh, the uh, president of the union. He's also building trades president on the AFL-CIO Central Labor Council president. I want to talk about your apprenticeship program and also want to talk about EV production. I don't know if you're getting any of that down there. But uh, first and foremost, you, you have to know that there's going to be some changes at the top here. Lonnie Stevenson who's been with the IBW for five decades. He is retiring at the end of the year. And uh, I believe on January 4th, Kenny Cooper, who is now the secretary treasurer, is going to take the presidency position. Um, 
Lanny, you've been in the IBW a long time. I know you know these two gentlemen. Any any thoughts on this change in leadership? Yeah, wow. Uh, it's going to be a loss for the IBW. Uh, I, I will tell you that um, in, in, I've been an officer, like I say, probably close to 35 years, maybe a little more overall. Um, I've seen several international presidents. I will tell you that by far the most comfortable, the most uh, – Incredible for the for the locals. President we've ever had has been Lonnie Stevenson. Um, had many dealings with him. Very casual person. Always uh, always very gracious to 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 talk to you. You know when you when you speak to Lonnie, it's it's uh, you can tell that he is really interested in listening to what you have to say. Uh, Kenny Cooper is also also going to be an awesome president. I don't think we'll. I do not believe we'll lose a step by having Kenny as president. Um, in the dealings I've had with the international over the years, the joke always was before, you know, we're we're here for the international, we're here to help, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, when these guys have been officers, even right on down, uh, Lonnie Stevenson as president, Kenneth Cooper as secretary treasurer, and even our fifth district vice president um, is, uh, is awesome. We have... Uh, we have staff from top to bottom that is really, really working with us now. So I, I'm as comfortable with the IBEW as I have ever been. That's good to hear. All right, let's talk about your apprenticeship pro- program down there, how we faring right now. Uh, you, we talked in the first segment about the work, and it seems to be trickling in there. What are we looking at right now, Lanny? Uh, we have – we just took in another class. I think we're – I think we're about 110 apprentices right now, uh, which is probably as, as many as we've ever had in, the, in our program at one time. We're having some uh, some 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 growth. We're actually reopening our, our classes out in the Panama City area because of the work that's coming out there. Our apprenticeship director, Sean Graves, has really been uh, instrumental in trying to get those guys started back up out there. Good. Um, you know, keeping keeping them busy, keeping to replace people like myself. I so I hope to retire in the next couple of years. So, uh, you know, not not only are we having to 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 train new apprentices, we're also having to train new officers. You know, so it's uh, it's pretty exciting to watch this training on all fronts. You know, I have to ask you. You know, the future in America is electric. I mean, here, here, I can't tell you how many shows we've talked about EV plants, uh, chip plants. Oh, I mean, and it's there's so, so many opportunities for the IBEW. I'm just wondering, you, you mentioned the 110. That, that's pretty exciting for you. But it seems to me that especially this young generation, it, I think they want to they want to be part of that whole thing. They want to get a jump start on that. Can you uh, you share that kind of view? Oh yeah, it's it's. We're actually starting our our uh, our battery charging station classes now. They're popping up around the University of Florida and Florida State University, which both of those are in our jurisdiction. Um, yeah, it's part of our fifth year curriculum. It's a special qualification, the permit that we're actually trying to get get started here in Gainesville. So, yeah, looking really forward to 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 getting that work as well. If uh, if we can have a charging station, they they put them in targets. If we can have them in every retail store in the area, you think about every place you got a gas pump, 
if you actually had a charging station or two at that location, um, millions and millions and millions of dollars in the infrastructure. So, yes, very exciting. Very exciting, yeah. All right, one more thing here. You're telling me off the air about the Union Sportsman Alliance. I guess there was a fundraiser done over the weekend, and uh, oh, yeah. they raised, raised a lot of money. It's a great organization. What, what happened? Can you fill us in on that? Yeah, we had, uh, we had a fundraiser. We had a dinner, uh, Union Sportsman Alliance dinner uh, at our brand-new apprenticeship school, thanks to our JETC for, for letting us use that. We probably had close to 150 uh, people come on, which is a pretty pretty big uh, group for Gainesville, Florida. Uh, thanks to the teachers, we had different uh, teachers, locals bought sponsorships, uh, IBW locals from all over, the UA, uh, Kevin Grubb and Sarah Smith with uh, the Union Sports Alliance put on a heck of a show. I don't have the numbers yet on how much we raised. It just happened uh, Saturday afternoon. But uh, it was it was a blast. It, it really was a good time. If you guys ever have an opportunity to support support Union Sportsman Alliance, please do. They're a good outfit. We're hoping to uh, take the, the profits that we made off this fundraiser and uh, build a walkway, a pathway uh, back into one of our lakes uh, here with our local government. That's cool. That's so. Cool. A lot of members of twelve oh five in the Sportsman Alliance. Uh, yeah, I was probably say fifty, sixty percent, probably. Yeah, yeah, kind what of a, the Union Sportsman Alliance is sort of the uh, sort of the uh, union alternative to NRA. Yeah, 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 that's a good analogy. I like that. What do you, What do you like to do? Hunt, fish? What's the story? Man, man all the above. I, you know, it's, it's a strange thing. I I love to hunt. I love to fish, but I'm afraid I'm a business manager now. So about about two thirds of my time is uh, is eaten up by this job. So yeah, uh, every time every time I get a vacation or every time I get a free Saturday, I, I do try to go fishing or uh, or go sit in a tree stand somewhere. <laughs> well, you got to do some hunting for new members too. I mean, do you have any? Uh, you mentioned what five hundred plus members right now. Uh, any thoughts on growth down the road? I mean, you said you're going to retire in a couple of years. You got to have a wish list here. But, you know, I'll tell you the honest truth. What I really, really wanted to do is taking over this job is just make things better than it was when I got here. Uh-huh. When I got into when I got into the electrical apprenticeship program, we did about uh, we did about probably thirty or forty percent of the commercial work in the area. All the hospital work in the area was ours. Uh, we lost that. You know, some of our contractors went out of business, and we, like I said a little earlier, we. We kind of got into the industrial market a lot more. Uh, we, we've been able to recruit a lot of young journeymen from the non-union. Uh, it's, a, it's a funny thing. For all these years, they took our people. They would graduate and then go non-union. Uh, the, the non-union apprenticeship program here in, in Gainesville is a pretty good program. And uh, we've been able to take, because we got work and because we have conditions and we have a collective bargaining agreement and we pay right, mm-hmm. we've probably been able to recruit the last four or five graduating apprentice of the year from the non-union program. And most of them will come over to our side and they'll, they'll be a foreman or, or they'll, they'll have a service truck or whatever. So we've worked really hard to recruit those guys. Uh, so yeah, as far as is, 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 is trying to build for the future, um, you know, I want us to be doing 30, 40% of the commercial work again. I, uh, I want to be doing all the hospital work again. 
all these guys that uh, that have earned their way, that have worked hard and gone through the, the non-union program, or, or 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 beat the bushes coming up and you know starved to death trying to to make a living, we got a place for them now. You know, if we can keep getting the commercial work and the hospital work. Uh, we can take these guys, offer them a better standard standard of living, which is what we're supposed to be doing. Exactly. Well, it's good to hear that is happening in your area, Gainesville, Florida. That's the base for IBEW Local 1205. Website is IBEW1205.org, representing workers in the electrical industry throughout north central Florida, west Florida, and even going into south Georgia. Lanny, great job. Thank you. It was fun to talk to you. You you keep doing what you're doing. I'll, we'll check in. We'll definitely check in with you before you retire. Okay, brother? All right, man. Y'all take care here. You got it. All right. Stephanie Mullen is with the Plumbers, UA Plumbers, Local 34 out of Minnesota. She's coming up next. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as healthcare and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Layuna. Find out what it takes for Layuna to keep America running at Layuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Hi, this is Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, and I am a huge fan of Flash and America's Workforce Radio and Podcast. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters, we care for our nation's veterans, and we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers, and we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 78 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at afge.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SBS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. The AFL-CIO is a proud sponsor of America's Workforce Radio. United by efforts to raise wages, listeners to this show and workers all across America are beginning to turn a corner and drive the economic debate. The AFL-CIO is comprised of 12.5 million working people, but we stand with and fight for everyone who is working for a better life. For more information about our Raising Wages agenda, go to AFLCIO.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to St. Paul, Minnesota right now and join Stephanie Mullen. You know, it's not too often that we have an apprentice on the show. We talk about apprenticeship programs, but Stephanie is in the apprenticeship program for the plumbers. UA Plumbers Local 34, Plumbers Local 
34.org is a website. She's going to talk about her journey through the apprenticeship program, and she comes from a, a, a union family. Stephanie Mullen, welcome to America's Workforce. I was reading earlier, uh, your dad, your grandpa were part of the painters. You decided to go and become a plumber. Talk to me about that part. Growing up union, that, that's, a, that's a good place to start. Go ahead, Steph. Well, um, you know, growing up, I knew my dad, you know, was a part of the painters and everything, but I never really knew what it all entailed. Um, you know, I knew he worked a lot of hours and was always busy and whatnot. Uh, but growing up, I ended up at taking the feet, taking the route of uh, going to college first. And I actually went to college for 10 years on and off trying to figure out what I wanted to do after high school. And I knew I didn't want to go back to school the, tr- the traditional route. It wasn't really something for me. So I started, you know, looking into the trades and seeing seeing if something would be a fit. And I kind of landed on plumbing and thought, you know, why not? I'll give it a shot and see. And here I am three years later. And it's stuck. And I really enjoy it so far. I wish I would have started sooner, but I wouldn't have uh, all the experience I do now had I, had I started sooner. Well, what caught my attention is ten years through college. So that was that wasn't all one time, okay? That was on and no. off for ten years. Yeah, that was on and off for ten years. I, you know, I started off thinking I wanted to do one thing, and uh-huh. started on that path, and realized, you know, it really wasn't for me, and I was not really a fan of the whole, you know, traditional schooling and going to school, you know, three or four times a week, if not more, and learning learning from a book like I don't I enjoy learning from a book but it's a lot easier to learn and retain the information when you're doing it hands-on on the job site and yeah. then having the supplemental information from the apprenticeship program a couple nights a week uh, I found that I, I learned best that way well you got a great program there with the United Association but I have to ask you as far as why plumbing I mean your dad was uh, was in the painters union and I'm just wondering what why did you pick the plumbing industry great industry nothing wrong with that but why in all fairness you know I kind of wanted to do something a little different I know sometimes the hours uh, with the painters can get a little bit a little bit hectic uh, but with the plumbers as well you know it, it just all depends on what job site you're on and who you're working for and whatnot. Uh, but I wanted to wanted to do something a little different that you know nobody in our mm-hmm. family has done before. So I got you. Okay, I wanted Good to answer. break out of the box. So where are you in the in the in the program right now in the apprenticeship program? Um, I'm about halfway through my third year, so I've got about two and a half years left until I can take my test to be a journey person. And and how how would you say it is? How's that journey been going through? The, the apprenticeship it's, program. It's been great. You know, I've learned all kinds of information that been able to, you know, start doing other things uh, on a job site and not just uh, the standard core drilling and fire cocking that a lot of uh, apprentices start off on. Uh, I've been able to, you know, do the water piping and waste and vent and uh, testing and putting in the fixtures. Um, but it's been a good journey so far. I've I've really enjoyed it. We've got three females in my year now. We started off with two, and then uh, we've uh, bumped up to three. Uh, beginning of our second year. Mm-hmm. 
That's good. I was that was my next question. I mean, three females. How many males are in the program right now? I mean, like percentage. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, in my year, we've probably I think there's like 27 of us total, so probably about 24. Yeah. 25. So there's definitely a the vast majority of uh, my class is men. So yeah. Well, you know, all the trades are reaching out to uh, to women people of color to try to get them involved because once again, I I might be a bit redundant on this show, but you've heard how the trades can be the pathway to a middle-class career. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's so important that we get people, you know, focused on that. And it's my understanding. Now you were at the uh, Tradeswomen Build Nations conference in in Vegas a couple of weeks ago. I understand you were there. Yeah. Yeah, I was. There were, oh gosh, uh, if I remember off the top of my head, I think in total attendance, um, including people within the trades, there were about 3,300 people uh, that came. And I think 2,900 of them were women in the trades. Amazing. But that was a- across all trades. Now, was that the first time for you? Have you been to one of those? I, they did them virtually for the last couple of years due to the pandemic. Yeah, I think I was able to attend one virtually a couple of years ago. Uh, if my memory serves me correctly. Uh, but this was my first time going in person. And it was just an amazing experience being able to meet so many other women within the trades and, you know, hear their stories and try and build those connections with other people who may have had similar experiences to you. Now, when you, you, you said you heard their stories, I'm just wondering, there, there probably had been a part of Stephanie Mullen scratching her head here wondering did i make the right choice here did, did you <laughs> did you get some guidance from some of the people that you talked to at that uh, I at did. That conference um i did there was one um like seminar that they had going on uh on the last day it was about uh women and union leadership um and one thing that i really took away from it is Take that chance. If you're presented with that opportunity, even if you don't necessarily feel like you're qualified or if you're overqualified, take that chance because more often than not, the, our male counterpart, counterparts actually take that chance more often than, than we would. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've, I've tried to take that to heart. And, uh, you know, if I'm presented with an opportunity at work of learning something different or doing something that I'm not necessarily comfortable with or haven't done as often, I take that chance to be able to learn that new information and broaden my experience. So you feel confident about the the leap. It was a leap of faith for you, and obviously it's yeah. you're still you're still going through it. You're still in the program. All right, some congratulations yeah. are in order here, Stephanie Mellon. I saw recently you were nominated for the Tradeswomen Heroes Award at uh, last month, and apparently you won it. Is that right? <laughs> that is correct, yes. Okay, talk to me about that. That's that's pretty exciting. Uh, now, were there several people in that category or what? Um, I know from what I understand, um, women across all trades uh, can be nominated for it, and I believe they choose – uh, two apprentices and two journey women uh, each month. Um, I actually had no idea that I was even nominated. Uh, 
until I got a phone call from my business manager congratulating me, letting me know that I had uh, that I had won the award. Well, cool. So how did they react in the apprenticeship program when they found out that you were the winner? You know, I haven't really uh, talked to anybody a whole lot yet. I've had classes here and there, but our next, uh, I know our next union meeting is uh, when they'll announce it. I know my family is very proud. I'm a little reserved in the sense that I'm not necessarily going around uh, advertising it. Yeah. Well, that's um, what that's what this show's all about. We want to get the word out that we're talking about. <laughs> with, we're talking with a hero. We're talking with a tradeswoman hero here. That's pretty cool, and and it's so important too because there's push. I mean, you know, there's a push to get more females in the, involved in the trades, and the trades are changing too, because uh, mm-hmm. there are a lot of women, and I'm sure that you heard this at the tradeswomen build nations conference. Yeah, they get involved in the trades, but. Keeping them in the trades, that's a different story, especially when they want to try to raise a family. you got child care issues, maternity issues, and things of that nature. So uh, yeah. th- those are all being addressed. They're all being – they have to be addressed. Yeah, I know um, when we were in attendance at the conference, I know that they are working towards different programs to help with retention for women in the trades and even parents in the trades uh, with small children with uh, – uh, child care and even I, if I remember correctly, they uh, have like a maternity grant that they're starting to introduce for uh, when people are looking to have a family. Mm-hmm. So I know they're small steps. They're going in the right direction. And I know having the uh, the awards like the, the Tradeswomen Hero Awards, it's nice to be able to have have that recognition and show people that you can do it. You can you can get there. Sounds good, Stephanie. Obviously, it takes a lot of work, a lot of determination. You went through a college for a number of years. You're focused on Plumbers Local 34 right now. We should give the uh, website here. It's plumberslocal34.org. And uh, a couple of years, just refresh me real quick, when you will be finally getting out of the apprenticeship program? Uh, I will be done in about two and a half years. I'll be able to sit for my, uh, my state test and my city test. Good for you. Good for you. Well, you keep us uh, a prize of your journey. Like I said, we don't talk to too many apprentices on this show, and it's it's important that people hear those stories so they, too, can become an apprentice and find that pathway to the middle class. So, Stephanie, thank you for joining us here on America's Workforce. Keep in touch, okay? Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, we're going to check in with the Ohio AFL-CIO and ask me local 61. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.